of the Chocolate Bar, our lives, our strength, our time. We are back for another fabulous episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, leaving comments, leaving ratings on all the places where um, you can find the podcast. It's really helpful so other folks can find us when they do a search. Um, We are continuing our Fire June episodes with our queer fam. So I'm very excited about our next guest. Um, I've had the actual opportunity to meet her previously, and she is just as amazing in person as she is on social media. So I'm going to have her introduce herself to you guys. So who are you and what do you do? All right. Uh, So hello, everyone. I am Storm Gray, also known as Curves and Kilos on Instagram. Hey, Uh, (laughs) thank you. Um, Power lifter, former crossfitter, occasional Oli lifter, former runner, overall lover of uh, all things barbell and strength. So that's kind of me in, in a nutshell. Um, I'm based in Alexandria, Virginia, and train out of um, Tyson's Playground in McLean, Virginia. Um, okay. Yeah, with like a really bomb powerlifting team. So it's always nice to actually be on a team when doing yes. the sport. Awesome. And so what do you do when you're not um, powerlifting? I know you don't do it professionally. So what, mm-hmm. do you, what do you do for fun and what do you do for work? Which I guess could be fun depending on what you do. <laughs> so, so fun is powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my, my fun thing or playing with my two dogs who are mm-hmm. a handful. Um, what I do for work is I'm the director of programs for a national um membership association for philanthropic professionals. So I work in philanthropy mm-hmm. basically. And I would say that my overall career in philanthropy has been trying to get money and resources to marginalized communities and to prioritize the uh, advancement of people of color and um, within the philanthropic sector and to create more inclusivity um, throughout the sector and more money going to like communities that are in need. Well, we definitely need you and more of you. So thank you. Um, Awesome. So let's, let's dig into it. So, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask guests first is, um, you know, how did you find Oli or did it find you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Power. Well, well, whatever you want to start with. (laughs) You do all the things. I was thinking about this, like in like trying to prepare. I'm like, well, what is my origin? (laughs) because <laughs> um, I really have gone a little bit all over the place. So right. I actually started, I think, in 2012 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was a runner uh, mm-hmm. and I also went to, you know, a traditional gym and was mm-hmm. really intimidated by the folks that were in like the free weights right. area and like the barbell area. I wasn't even going over there. Right. Um, and I wanted to learn more about lifting particularly Mm -hmm. kettlebells. And so I got a personal trainer who introduced me to kettlebells and I started that as my progression into like learning more about like the barbell things. Cause I figured if I could handle a kettlebell, then I could work my way up to handling a bar with weights and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, bounced from there to when I was ready, I actually started doing CrossFit and I Mm -hmm. did cross, I was at my box for about, uh, a couple of months and then mm-hmm. a coach said hey we're starting this olympic weightlifting 
program in addition to like the CrossFit stuff, you should definitely try the Oli stuff. I think uh-huh. you'd be really good at it. Turns out he was right. Um, mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing Oli and I did both CrossFit and Oli for maybe a year and a half before transitioning to being completely Olympic weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where I was for several years. Mm-hmm. And Then I started to miss like some of the CrossFit stuff uh, and particularly like the barbell, like deadlifts. I just missed doing deadlifts. I missed, you know, I didn't bench very often. So it was just something that was foreign to me. Most of my lifts were, you know, snatches and cleans, variations of those and like squats. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I had a coach at the gym, you know, coaches at gym, multiple coaches. Like if you ever notice you're at a strength, a strength gym and there are multiple types of disciplines within that one gym. Right. It always seems like coaches are low key trying to like poach other lifters. <laughs> to their team. I feel like that's what happened to me. Like I was like doing the only stuff, but then one of the coaches was like, Hey, come over here. We got some strong man stuff for you. Mm-hmm. You like flipping tires? You look like you like flipping tires. <laughs> tires with us. I did come to the dark side. Hey, and so I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was there for a little bit while also doing Olympic weightlifting, but then I sliced my finger open and was like, you know what? This is really not the life for me. Right. Uh, I went back to Oli, got bored with it, took some time off. And then I just decided I wanted to come back and do powerlifting. Like, okay. And that's where I've been for uh, consistently for about a year now. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, you definitely were jack of all trades at one point um, yeah. where you kind of figured out where you, where you wanted to land. Um, so tell me a little bit about what was your relationship like with fitness and sports growing up? Were you, you know, did you participate in organized sports or were you, um, less of an athlete? Like what, what was that like for you growing up? Yeah, it really wasn't my thing. Like, and even now it's so funny to, to think of myself as an athlete because for so much of my life growing up, I was very much not an athlete. So Mm -hmm you know, double dutch was my thing. Like, so I could do some double dutch or we can, you know, play outside, like kid play, but never any team sports. Mm -hmm. I tried out for, um, I think the JV basketball team when I was in middle school, but during, Mm -hmm. during tryouts, I actually sprained my ankle. Oh Um, no. (laughs) Was that a sign? (laughs) I think it was a sign because I definitely, you know, by the time I was done healing, tryouts were pretty much over. Yeah. And so I think I made the team maybe, but I felt like I missed so much where I was like, you know what? It's cool. Like right. my ankle was like, you're really not for this whole mm-hmm. like sprint, quick running thing. This right. is not your, your ministry. So no, I wasn't, I was not an athlete. It wasn't until um, like much older, like post-college oh, okay. that I actually got involved with working out and stuff like that on okay. a regular basis. So t- let's talk a little bit about like, what was your relationship with your body or body image growing up? I know for a lot of women, particularly black women, um, you know, that whole sense of not being good enough or not fitting into the standard, mm-hmm. um, which we know is typically very white and very thin, mm-hmm. um, you know, that starts with us young and whether that comes from yeah. our moms or, you know, like the media or whatever, what was that experience like for you growing up? Uh, um, so I come from a big family, like we all got, you know, curves and, uh-huh. and things like that. So that was the norm, I guess, in terms of like the women that I saw in my most immediate, immediate, mm-hmm. 
but still, you know, being a kid going to school, like, right. um, I was always a bigger girl. I was always chunkier, um, fatter and so, and taller. So mm-hmm. that made things really awkward uh, growing right. up at times. And so I would say it was, it was a bad, like, it was a battle. Like, you know, I, you know, in complete transparency, like, there are still some days where I'm like, are you sure you, you got it? Like, you know, right, is this, right. is this, and so it's a never ending thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say over the years, I've, as I've aged, I've gotten a deeper appreciation for my body mm-hmm. beyond what it looks like, but also like what it can do. Yes. And so like, even as like a super heavyweight power lifter, um, I am the heaviest I've ever been in my life, but I'm also the strongest I've ever been in mm-hmm. my life. Mm-hmm. So it's like this very weird um, place to sit in where it's right. like, uh, blazers don't fit me right anymore. Oh, but gosh. Like, <laughs> but those sleeveless tanks, though. Like, yes, yes. Like, oh, okay. So, like, you know, a cute little cape or, you mm-hmm. know, something like, so it, it has its, it has its trades off. Trade, right. Um, you know, pluses and minuses. But uh, growing up for me as a, a bigger kid was awkward as mm-hmm. growing up as a kid just generally is awkward. Right. Um. So, yeah. And so I, you know, was typical, like, wear baggy baggy jeans and stuff uh-huh. like that. I grew up in the age of like FUBU and South Pole. Oh, yes. So, oh, yes. You know, there the are wonderful some fun, 90s. You know, <laughs> I definitely had my Hugo Boss. Uh-huh. I'm green and black sweater with oh, a matching Lord. black pants. <laughs> In the Thames, I'm a Jersey girl. Oh, so okay, okay. We did. I got know? you. <laughs> so, but you know, it was it was definitely a thing. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so given that, um, how do you think finding CrossFit slash Oli slash powerlifting has changed or impacted how you see yourself? Um. Hmm. So I think the shift with how I saw myself started when I started running. Oh, okay. Because okay. it was something that I never thought I could do. And not mm-hmm. only was I doing it, I was doing a pretty darn good job at it. You know, right. ran a couple of half marathons, uh, ran the Marine Corps marathon, mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. again. Um, but like, I was like, oh, this is me being like an athlete and doing like sportsy things. And right, so right. I knew that I could. I think mm-hmm. what changed my mind, like, the awakening I had when I started doing CrossFit and then Olympic weightlifting and then powerlifting is, damn, you are like really strong. Like right. not just like mentally, emotionally, like you are physically strong and it mm-hmm. just, some of the movements feel supernatural and right. it's just like, there's a certain like ease on certain days, you know? And I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is what I do. This right. is, this is me. This is what mm-hmm. I do. So, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so what does your typical training look like right now? I know, um, I don't, do you have a meet coming up or are you just kind of taking it easy? Like what is a typical week of training for you? For no you meets right coming now? up. And mm-hmm. actually this is like a, a funny time because I'm actually in the uh, period of recovery. Oh, okay. So my last meet was in March mm-hmm. of this year. And I wouldn't say like a week after that. I sprained my ankle, the same oh, ankle that I'm Oh my goodness, girl. It's that same one. Every uh, couple of years, it'll pop up and be like, hey, right. we're still here. We're still here. Yeah, sit down for a little bit. Why don't you? Right. Uh, so I sprained my ankle. So I finished the meet and the meet went really well, mm-hmm. um, but I sprained my ankle. And then like two weeks after that, I had a really bad sciatic 
uh, sciatica, sciatic nerve flare up Ooh, uh-huh. on the same side of my body. So my oh whole my right side was just like, you know, screw you. Yeah. We're going home. Yeah. Um, and then my left knee recently has started to bother me. So I'm actually going to the doctor next week to figure out what that's going, what, you know, what that's about. Right. But I'm basically now, um, getting back into some semblance of a rhythm. My coach uh-huh. has me on a program right now that will help to strengthen, you know, any deficiencies, any weaknesses. So like right. going back and core and like some of those things just to make sure that everything stays in alignment and right. is really good. And I'm also looking for like a team of, I call them like sports medical care mm-hmm. physicians that, you know, like a good chiropractor, a good this, a good that. Right. So I need to make sure that I've got like the full scope of, yeah. of team members because I'm realizing that. I'm 35 now, yeah, and uh, apparently my body is just like so. That stuff that you used to do when you were in your 20s was really cute, but we need to sit down now, right? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> or we need you to stretch. Yes, you know? mobility yes. would be nice if you yes. could do that for us. Right, sometimes. right. I so I'm you. listening. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, so that's what a typical week looks like for me now. A little bit of yoga, um, a couple of days in the gym. I would say like three, maybe three, maybe four days in the gym. Uh-huh, and okay. it's a combination of like, you know, squats and benches, no deadlifts for now. Right. Um, and then a lot of dumbbell mm-hmm. work to help strengthen core and just build on some of those, um, those other things. Uh, but usually I do train about four days a week, mm-hmm. about an hour and a half each session. Um, and it varies, like I have a really great coach and so he varies, um, our programs, which right. is good for me cause I get bored very easily. Yeah. And so I never know what to expect. And so there are some blocks where it's just like low weights and high reps and I'm looking at them like, you must be kidding. Like you see me, like, why are you giving me these low right. intensity programs? But then like, you know, I get into the program. I'm like, okay, so this feels like this. Uh huh. I understand now. I'm gonna shut my mouth and just rock it out. Right. Right. Yeah. But that's okay. Cool. Yeah. So, what's your favorite and what's your least favorite lift, and why? Hmm. So, if we're talking only only powerlifting, yeah. Uh. See, my favorite doesn't love me back the way that I. <laughs> my favorite is the deadlift. I okay. love the deadlift. The deadlift just don't love me back. Aww. It just and it, 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 it specifically it doesn't love my back. Like oh, my back yeah. does not love it. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my favorite, but I would say my squat is probably my most comfortable. Uh huh. Um, yeah, my most comfortable uh, lift. Like I like the squat. The squat comes very naturally to me. Um, so I guess maybe the squat, but honestly, I like them all. Like okay. I, I have, there's something about each that I appreciate. The bench I appreciate because upper body strength is never something I've considered myself to possess. Yeah. But I, like, you know, I am learning that I do have some semblance of it. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. I like it. Yeah. Um, so do you um, pres- prescribe? subscribed or prescribed to a certain way of eating i never and i hate to use the word diet but like do you have a specific way um to eat that supports your goals in the gym or are you more of kind of a free form intuitive eater like what's typically been your your mo with that yeah it's really whatever the hell i want okay, i mean I like for it. better or for worse <laughs> you know it's not right. always the greatest because right. 
you know, I want a lot of the not so good things. Um, right. I have been like the idea of counting macros or counting calories because I've done that throughout my life. Like I, yeah. you know, as someone who has always been bigger, diets have been a constant right. like, in and out of my life, diets in the gym and some yeah. way, shape or form. Right. And I just, you know, even though I know that I have had great success in the past with counting calories, I just don't have time for that. Like right. the way my life is set up, like it's just, like I don't and I have no desire to do that like I don't want to feel bound in that way so I try to just eat like I have some sense yeah I um, hear you you know make sure that I get a vegetable in here every right <laughs> something green you know something green and you know try to hydrate mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I find that when I am um at my busiest or like the furthest along in like a training cycle I definitely, of course, eat more. And what helps is like I've started uh, subscribing to a food service so that that way I just don't have to think about it. So I just try to think about like easy meals that I can prep or have already made or snacks that I can prep Um, and just keep it simple. Oh, okay, cool. Do you is it a specific service you use or something that's more local? Uh, I think it is local to the DMV. It's territory foods. Oh, okay. Also, I think I've seen stuff for that. Yeah. Yeah. I've also been looking into some plant-based ones oh, as okay. well to kind of mm-hmm. switch it up. Yeah. So I, I try to remain open. Like I right. try to keep it low carb ish. Right. Um, make sure I get enough protein. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't believe in necessarily restricting myself right. from anything. And thankfully I don't have any allergies or anything like yeah. that where I need to. So. Right. Oh, good. Okay. So I wanted to dig into this a little bit since this is kind of, um, you know, where this idea of having all of you wonderful guests came from. But I want to talk a little bit about like your intersections. Right. So you're black. You're a Mm -hmm. female of size. Mm -hmm. Queer. Right. Mm -hmm. What did that look like for you growing up and how did all of those kind of coming together impact your experiences? Mm. Well, Growing up, so I'm from Camden, New Jersey, mm-hmm. predominantly black city. So okay. I always saw myself represented until I moved out into the suburbs mm. and then didn't see myself represented as much. But right. still, like any weekend or after school when I would go spend time over at my grandma's house or like came with family, like, you know what I mean? The familiarity was there. Right. Um, being black, femme, and fat has been interesting because mm-hmm. in, a, in addition to like the general internalized body issues that you right. carry, there's this right. external messaging that you carry as well, particularly right. being a younger girl of size. Mm-hmm. I remember being really uncomfortable around older men because mm. um, of the the male gaze. and. Right. And just, I remember feeling uncomfortable yeah. with that mm-hmm. um, because I recognized that as a, a larger young girl, my body read older I was gonna than say, what I actually yeah. was. Right, right. Right. So, you know, developed at all the, the hips and all that stuff, but like was very much a baby yeah. um, still. So, and not to mention, you know, black girls are automatically sexualized mm-hmm. anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, the queerness actually didn't I would say like of all of the identities I carry I guess that's the newest development Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. I think I had an inkling that I might be somewhere along the spectrum right um 
maybe in college, okay. high school, college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The idea maybe in high school, like the question definitely came up in college, but it wasn't really until I think as society developed and language developed around sexuality, around gender, around right. gender identity, then I could get a better sense of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is more me, not yeah. so much that, right. like, okay, this makes sense to me now, but I just- So you had language of, for what you had already maybe yeah, been feeling anyway, yeah. Yeah, or like, yeah, or like language that helped make sense of my general, un, like my own general personal philosophy, which is that sexuality, like gender, can be fluid and is right. along the spectrum. Right. And so, you know, it can shift at any given point in time. Um, and it doesn't make a person good or bad or anything like that. It's just, it, it is just nature being natural. So, right. um, but living at those intersections for me, I guess I don't really think about it. The one that takes up most of my time is being black because, right. <laughs> you know, the world gives us so many reasons. Exactly. Um, and then coupled with that, I would say uh, being a black female and because mm-hmm. like I I read as a, like, I am a cisgender woman. I read as a cisgender woman. And I think I am able to navigate the world under the assumption that I might be heterosexual unless, like, I'm doing something to signal otherwise. Right. I think it it's a different experience than some of my friends and loved ones who automatically read as being queer. Right. However, they are signaling it through, you know, their dress mannerisms, whatever. Right, right. So it's kind of sticking on that same point. Um, you mentioned that 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 part of your, um, you know, intersection kind of came a little bit later as you were an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, as far as sort of acceptance and understanding and catching on, um, you know, black folks have been a little slow to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um have you found your community, whether it be sort of your immediate um, familial community and otherwise to be generally supportive or has that been more of a, a challenge for, for you? Yeah, I've been um, fortunate to say that I feel supportive. And I, and I think, I don't know how much of this come, like how much about this, about me comes across. Right. But I'm a pretty much, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Sorry, can I curse? I yes, you can, girl. Okay, sorry. Remember okay. what podcast yeah, this is? Yeah, right, I'm very much a, like, I'll do whatever the fuck I want to do. And right. The world will just have to deal. So right. I, I haven't noticed a difference mm-hmm. because I haven't really been looking for one. Like, you yeah. know, I know that, you know, for some folks, it maybe was a shock. Right. For others, it was like, okay, what's next. Right. Um, right. And so it, it was never because it was never because I never treated it like a big deal. Like it, uh, was, yeah. it was never made to be a big deal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like I don't, you know, I know folks, different folks may have like coming out stories. I was right. my, I don't know that I actually have one. I told my mom, I was, da- I was dating this person that I really liked and told, mm-hmm. told her what their name was. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and in doing so, that opened up a certain amount of questions that, right. you know, I just answered and that was that. There was no, yeah, that was, that was kind of it. And I think um, because I was older, I, I think that's part of what made it less of a big deal to me. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so 
in terms of, um, you know, your entree into strength sports, Mm -hmm. um, and again, black folks are a little slow, I think, to catch on to that sometimes. I still get the questions from my mother, like, now, what is it that you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you taking those drugs? You know, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, ha- how has your family received you being a strength athlete? Um, I think they're cool. They're, they're cool with it. They're mm-hmm. impressed by it. Okay. Um, you know, my mom likes to say that I'm a savage, and I'm just trying to <laughs> laugh. I'm like... I mean, yeah, but like, check out these nails, though. Listen, um, <laughs> you see, do you see this red lip right here? Okay, like, you know, I can do both. I can be see like these brows. You know, I can <laughs> do the beat face and the right. heels, and then like get over here and like be about my business with the right. SQ. I'm lifting face on and like be very much in my zone. Um, right. But no, my family is totally cool with it. I think my mom is like her worry, like typical mom worry, is that I'm just safe. Yes. Um, yeah. My partner is the same. It's like, mm-hmm. can you just can you just be safe and not come home like all broken? And right. Please, <laughs> that would be nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like people have been really uh, supportive of it, and mm-hmm. you know, it's been cool to see that even among like my friend circle, um, folks have hit the gym and started lifting weights in part because you know they see that I've I've started doing it or that I'm right. doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, across the sports that we've talked about so far, Ole CrossFit and even powerlifting, they're not really necessarily known for their diversity of athletes, whether that be um, diversity in (laughs) shocker, you know, whether that's diversity in size, race, you know, orientation, whatever. did that ever did, did that ever come into consideration when you were making the decision to try out or get involved in any of these sports? No, because again, like I'm very much a I will do whatever it is that I want to do mm-hmm. type of person. So I knew that I wanted to learn CrossFit. So I looked at different CrossFit boxes and whichever right. one was the felt right was the one I went to. Now it just so happened that I had a homegirl who was also looking for CrossFit at the time. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to Ariel. Uh, And we both joined the same CrossFit box at the same time. And so that was dope because here's another like bomb ass black woman who's out here dominating the wads, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your fave could never. And like, you know, (laughs) we we were like, Comrades and competition. So, right, you know, right. I, and for me, I'm an introvert. Like, I don't need the whole world. I just need like one or two cool people that I right. rock with. And that's all I need to make an experience, a meaningful, positive one that right. I'll like, I'll keep going to. So, mm-hmm. um, I will say that by the time I started looking for a powerlifting gym, though, I did want a sense of like racial diversity specifically. Right. So, right. my CrossFit wad was predominantly white. Um, and predominantly, yeah, it was predominantly white, um, but it had, you know, it was diverse-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, my second box was run by two women who were phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. It was Nova Strength and Conditioning um, out in Springfield. Oh, okay. And they were really cool. And like all the people there were really cool and very welcoming and friendly, which was great. Yeah. And I love that, but it just didn't have the powerlifting aspect. Right. So when I was looking for a place where there was powerlifting. I just wanted quality programming mm-hmm. and ideally um, that isn't too far away from home 
and had at least some diversity on the team. Right. And so I went and tried out the spot um, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I decided to sign up because it, at least from what I saw had the quality programming and the coach. Yeah. Um, and then the location was cool. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a black person in America. I'm pretty much accustomed at this point to being in predominantly white spaces. Right. Ideally, that's, you know, I would like to have a sense of like, you know, representation, but yeah, like, yeah. this will work. Like this works. And my team is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and that's where you out, train at. That's where yeah. you train now. Yeah. And as it turns out, there were two other black women that are also on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also black queer women so i'm mm-hmm. like oh look at look look at this see look at god just you know and they are my you know my comrade competitors um, right right as well so it's really cool and that's is that is that tyson tyson playground yeah. okay I, I thought that you trained there as well that's yeah. awesome um so speaking about that what do you what do you think or why do you think there is such a lack of diversity in these sports, um, just sort of from your vantage point, um, especially if you look at, you know, kind of the elite levels. I mean, obviously they're getting more exposure now because of social media, which is mm-hmm. great. But I think you mentioned kind of as you move about, you you there are fewer and further of us, right? And I think right. that's really in, in anywhere professionally as you sort of move about and move up, same thing, you know? Um, what do you think that's about? Okay, so... All right, so you asked me. I think it at at its root is systemic racism and mm-hmm. the impact of it on communities of color because mm-hmm. a lot of these sports require resources. If you're going right. to com- if you're going to compete, depending on the league that you compete in, there are certain like um, manufacturer gear that you have to purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everything has to hit spec. So it's like you can't just show up and like a t-shirt and some shorts and then you're going to compete in like a USAPL powerlifting meet. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So there's a certain amount of cost even to get to the point of competing. But before you even get to the point of competing, if you want to coach, it costs money. Right. You know, when I think about the amount of money that I've spent on not just gear, but on coaching and gym membership. Oh, yeah. You know, that's a couple of hundred dollars a month. And food and supplements. We ain't even, even getting into <laughs> right you know, and like, recovery. And recovery, like you yeah, know, all of yeah. those things like that. That is money, and so when you're looking at the fact that you know the race and gender wage gap is such, where I think um, by the year 2053, black households specifically will have a zero medium income, like mm. zero median income. Excuse me. That's so. Like when you think about that, and you think about the the impacts that uh, systemic racism has had on the economic security and financial well being and freedom right. of people of color in the United States, particularly, there are a number of areas where we just haven't been because historically yeah. we've been kept out of them. You know, one because of the resources, and two because those places, because they were predominantly white, were not automatically welcome spaces for us so like what i appreciate you know now seeing you know through social media and through the work that you're doing with uh the chocolate bar podcast and you know the colonizing fitness and sisters of powerlifting and all these groups that are highlighting diverse athletes right you know the representation is there even though it may not necessarily exist 
on like the highest level of elites in a way that we would want or hope. But I think it's getting there because Mm -hmm. it's becoming more accessible. It's becoming more normalized. People are like dipping their toe in the water. Like I can't tell you how many women I met my last meet who were like this is my very first meet my coach just wanted me to you know see how I would do and they fucking killed it are you right. kidding me like this is this this sport is for us yeah um and I think more of us are finding our way to it and once we realize how um not as scary it is like mm-hmm. it's not as scary as we thought it would be um that makes it easier for us to kind of come in and continue to show up and support one another and dominate the platform Right. I think part of the reason why the diversity isn't there is because it hasn't meant it was not created necessarily to be diverse or welcoming. Like even the conversation that is being had right now within the sport about where should trans lifters lift, mm-hmm. if anywhere, you know, some folks are saying, oh, like make their own division or, you know, oh, well, you'll just need to test in the tested or like the untested, you right. know, or you'll need to test, you know, like all, all of that conversation as well is a continual fight for folks to be able to enjoy the sport Mm -hmm. in a way that is true to how they move throughout the world. Right. Right. So how do you think you've been received um, both, you know, just like you mentioned um, just sort of in, you know, your gym or spaces as well as on the platform as a, a black femme woman really, but I mean a queer woman too, like have you generally felt a sense of of welcome or have you generally not felt that yeah i felt welcome because mm-hmm. um i've been fortunate enough to have good team members so when i did only lifting like i had a really good supportive team when and we went to good meets um mm-hmm. now that i power lift again my team is like we're all very supportive of one another um to the point where you know folks will travel right. to meets that they're not lifting at just to be there and support you know, other um, team members. Yeah. So I've felt very welcome in the places and spaces that I've gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that hasn't been a problem for me, but I also recognize the privilege that I carry, you know, while I'm a black woman and that does carry some disadvantages, I'm a black woman who identify like who identifies as cisgender and my gender identity very much aligns with. Right. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just, it, it hasn't caused any issues for me because like I just look like a woman walking down the street. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's, yeah. for me, it hasn't been where I remain, um, you know, I guess a little watchful and hesitant about like, what do I want to do in this sport is um, how the different federations, the major federations are responding or not responding right. to inclusive, to being more inclusive of trans lifters. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. because again, language consistently evolves and terminology evolves. I think that a lot of folks who are at the leads of some of these federations may not necessarily understand the terminology. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I'm being my most generous, you know, and, right. and if I'm being my pessimistic self, then I would say that they're, you know, bigots and mm-hmm. homophobes. Yeah. And it could be some combination of all that, but regardless, the current I don't know of the the two majors if either one of them are really particularly welcoming to trans lifters, which mm-hmm. makes me wonder what a you know what can I do as right. an ally to support? And yeah. you know, while I do love lifting and I love being able to compete, 
it's just a really, I don't want to compete someplace where folks aren't, other people aren't made to feel welcome. Right. Because I think we should all have the ability to be on the platform and share the platform and give your best. It's between you and the bar anyway. So exactly. why are you mad? Because somebody else is putting up more weight than you. Okay, go back to the gym. Right. Put in work. Come back next time. You right. know? So. Yeah, I hear you. Um, so what advice would you give a listener that's interested in trying, like I said, any of the strength sports, but they're hesitant because of a lot of the reasons we discussed, you know, whether it's Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're a black woman or whether it's because they feel like they don't fit the look quote unquote of most of these sports, which we can honestly say is typically Mm -hmm. very white and very thin, um, you know, and, and young, um, or, you know, they just, they just don't know how they would be received. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for them to get started? Uh, with the fear of failure, stop you from doing something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you are curious about lifting, um, I would, I would encourage you to do some research in your local area, like where the places that lift, um, and find, find community there. Mm-hmm. Um, and really just focus on getting whatever skills you need to get so that way you feel like you're a solid lifter. Right. I think that's what I did when I first started out. Like, I just wanted to know for sure that I was doing the movements properly. Because once you understand the movements properly, you don't have to be married to any one location. Like, I right. know people who have, you know, been able to open up you know, garage gyms and do their their own thing at home or yeah. you know, just go into a regular old Gold's gym and they have their little program that they found online or created for themselves online and are just plugging away at that. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to, it doesn't have to be on a team and it, you know, powerlifting, a lot of these strength sports can look any number of different ways. Right. Um, the most important thing that to me is that you're learning how to do the movements properly and right. that you're taking care of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, if you're in a place that makes you feel hella uncomfortable or is toxic, like you don't have to put yourself through that. Right. Um, but I will say that there, I think that there are different, a number of different ways to find community mm-hmm. that does not necessarily mean being in physical proximity to others who are like you. So like for me, the whole online community that, um, that you built through the chocolate bar has been where I get my, my love and support from other black women lifters and through at work, it's led me into other different communities that, you know, I can go online and cheer someone on or post a video and be cheered on by folks and still feel connected. Mm -hmm. Even if I may not have that same connection in the gym at like 6 a.m. when I'm right. going to my local goals yeah. to just grind something out real quick. That makes me happy. Yes. Um, so in, in, in addition to that, you know, we touched on this a little bit um, as well, but so you mentioned, you know, ways to kind of build community, find out more information, whatever. How can people sort of get past the, the, um, financial barrier to entry that is sometimes mm. created with some of these sports because they're not cheap i mean especially mm-hmm. when you, like you said when you start thinking about doing it on a comp- competitive level mm-hmm. there are meat fees i mean it runs the whole gamut but you know what are some some ways or what are some things or resources people can use that can kind of still help them kind of get their feet wet if they don't necessarily have you know 
you know, all the coins to spend on, you know, mm-hmm. getting fancy shoes and all of these other things mm-hmm. at this point? Uh, I, I would have to say, so if you're just interested in sport, uh, sports in general, right. For better or for worse, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think CrossFit is probably the cheapest way to get started. And here's mm-hmm. the reason why mm-hmm. most CrossFit boxes, if they're a good CrossFit box, will have a foundations course. And within right. that foundations course, they're teaching you the basics of basic form and movement for right. all of the major barbell lifts. So yeah. your snatch, your clean and jerk, your bench, um, your squat, your deadlift. You're learning mm-hmm. those basic foundational things. Right. So even if you do that for, you know, however long they do it, I think yeah. it was like a six week thing. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like a, that introductory week is free. Right. So definitely like ask can, about that. Right. If you can, you know, go in and learn a little something and be a quick study, you know, in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you can take that information and then couple it with stuff that you find online via YouTube. There are so many YouTube channels mm-hmm. out there that talk about the quality lift. So even if it's just looking up someone who is like a bomb lifter, who uh-huh. also happens to do um, certain movements. Uh, what, what is the guy named? Uh, Garrett, Jared Supple. He wrote the book, Supple Leopard. Oh, okay. Okay. I will, we'll, well, like I said, we'll get that in the show. Yeah. But that's definitely a great recommendation and a great book. Right. Cause he has a book. He has a YouTube video or a okay. YouTube channel. And then he mm-hmm. also has something called Mobile Wad or Mobility Wad, oh, okay. which helps yeah. people mobilize. Right. So, and he talks through the different movements and really breaks it down mm-hmm. to help it make sense. So I, I would just take a look at what's available to folks online. There are apps now that will generate um, random workouts and stuff like that for you. And like there are a ton of different workout programs that you can mm-hmm you know, purchase or like download for free and just go at it just to get you started, just to get your feet in the water. And then as you have decided that you want to get a little more serious, um, I know Sisters of Powerlifting does the exchange for gear to give away. I know that a number of us, you know, are just doing that off the strength. Like I Mm -hmm. I have a homegirl who needed a belt. I had extra belt. Like, here you go. If right. it's, it's yours. You know what I mean? And so like, you don't know who all within the community um, has resources to share and right. would be willing to give. Yeah. Um, but I think because there aren't a whole lot of us in the sport, I think the generosity amongst those of us who are in the sport is really special. Yeah, um, too. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to touch on this as again, I think, you know, social media is, is, has been a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember when there was no social media. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that, you know, looking at like, you know, different athletes, you know, you're definitely an athlete that's active on social media and Instagram. And I think, you know, you, you know, highlight a lot of, you know, and I say this with air quotes, taboo issues through your platform, whether it be, you know, posting things to share about racism, politics, you know, fat phobia, homophobia, transphobia, all of those things. You know, and a lot of lifters don't necessarily want to use their platform in that way because mm-hmm. they fear criticism or, you know, maybe more prominent athletes don't want to, you know, you know, be denied sponsorships, whatever. Um, right. You know, has that been an intentional move on your part? And how do you think that's been received in terms of the types of stuff that like you post in your Instagram stories? Huh. Um, 
So I guess in some ways I am a child of social media. Mm -hmm. Like I was on Facebook back in the day when you could only get on Facebook when you had um, like a college ID. Right, right. You could only be Facebook friends with people that you actually went to school with. Look, there are people out there like, what? Yeah, it was... (laughs) Right, right, right. Like you can see your little class schedule and right, like, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So I I don't know. Um the way I go about my social media is that it is a reflection of who I am. So right. I am not just a power lifter. Mm-hmm. Um I I actually consider myself to be a strength athlete who happens to power lift right now. Right. But given my history, I could be, you know, back to Oli in like right. a couple months. Who mm-hmm. knows? Whatever. Um and so and I'm also a black queer woman mm-hmm. and things impact me a certain way. And I don't think that um I do myself or anyone who might be interested in anything I have to talk about a service by um segmenting parts of my identity right that's the whole thing about intersectionality you know they all come together like your identities come together to both you know and systems come together to oppress you based on certain personality uh not personalities identities that you carry right right i never really thought about it in terms of like not being like or being the athlete that didn't talk about politics Mm -hmm. because quite honestly i started that instagram as my personal Instagram and over right. the years, it's just morphed into whatever I'm interested in at the time. So if one were to go way, way, way back, you'll see a time when all I posted was like running and like right. me outside in the trees and like the sunshine and mm-hmm. all that. Cause that's what I was doing at the time. Or right. you may see a bunch of posts about brown liquor because <laughs> that's what I was doing at the time. Look, I'm going to be know? creeping your Instagram later. <laughs> I still love a good scotch. That's just what it is. You right. Know? And so like all of those things are a part of me. So while the the name of my Instagram account is very much, you know, based in lifting curves and kilos, even the kilos came about when I was doing Olympic weightlifting. Right. Um, So I think that because I'm a whole person, it would be weird to me to not be a whole person, even on social media. Right. 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 Although there, you know, there are people that there are people who create whole separate ideas, and that is true. <laughs> and you know, and it's like I don't, I don't really care about sponsorships. Yeah, I, yeah. And even if I did care about sponsorships, I wouldn't want to be sponsored by a company or organization whose values didn't align with my own. Right. Even the place that I work at at a, at a nine to five aligns with my values. That is right. just. That's just a part of who I am. So whatever mm-hmm. space that I'm operating in, I have to move that way, right. um, which can be, you know, really cool at times, but then also really annoying at times because right. it means you have to make some sometimes difficult choices or be the yeah. person that raises your hand and says the uncomfortable thing right. or makes people feel weird or yeah. make somebody cry or angry <laughs> because the truth hurts. It and does. I'm sorry, you know, black lives still matter. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, exactly. So, you know. I hear you. I, I listen. I, I hear you. Um, so here's an interesting thing about that, too. And again, this, I think, has come up a lot more with the advent of social media. But, you know, a lot of people like to throw around the word ally, right, mm-hmm. without really knowing what that really means or what's actually required to earn that status. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, to me, 
I just don't, I don't think that that's something that someone can just give themselves. I think you have to earn that if, if in fact allies exist and, you know, my position on that changes on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you believe allies to oppressed groups exist? And if so, you know, how can somebody actually truly be an ally and not just perform the actions of one? So I think um, to start, I think in general, I don't like the term ally anymore. Right. Because it almost reminds me of the title that you can claim or someone can bestow upon you that in some ways, or for some people, absolves you from taking any real action. Exactly. Like, oh, I'm an ally because, you know, I, I... Call this um, gender non-conforming person by their proper pronouns, but you didn't say anything about the fact that there's not a genderless bathroom in your right. office space. So right. are you really an ally? And exactly. how far does your allyship go? So right. I so like I don't really like to talk about like allies and allyship. What I think of and yearn for are co-conspirators. These are people who understand. Yes, how, like, I how, like that. Right, how the different systems operate and how different people are being hold, held back for things that are beyond them and being denied certain basic, you know, human rights and dignities mm-hmm. um, off of something as arbitrary as how you look or who you happen to love or, right. you know, what pronouns you choose to use. Like, these are things, like, at the end of the day, they're human beings, so treat them like a human being. Mm-hmm. So when I think about, like, a co-conspirator, that's a person that just does the work and doesn't need a gold sticker for it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, heterosexual people don't get a gold star because they use the right pronouns. That's what you're right. supposed to do. Exactly. Like, What was that old Chris Rock joke? You don't, you know, you don't get a brownie for paying child support. You, right, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. do. You're the kid's daddy. <laughs> And child support needs to be paid. Then right. What you're supposed to do? I'm sorry, you don't get a gold star. There isn't a round of applause for that. That's just call it being. That's being a, a responsible being. adult and parent. <laughs> and that, yeah. So it's just like, so you know, when I think of you know allyship or co-conspiratorship, it is just recognizing that we all hold certain privileged identities and then certain identities that are not as privileged or not privileged at Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. And our responsibility is to look out for one another and recognize that while my identities may be different from yours, there are some things that you carry where you might need me to step up and step in on your behalf. And likewise, there are some battles that I might need you to step up and step in for on my behalf. But the basic understanding is regardless, we got each other. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. How did you, how did you find your voice? Right. I know you mentioned that you were an introvert, that you're an introvert, but, um, you know, again, just kind of getting the opportunity to know you on a personal level and just observe you. It is very clear that, you know, you've gotten to a space where, you know, you seem comfortable and even if you're not, you know, you do it anyway in terms of, you know, standing up for yourself, speaking out about things that you see happening that are, you know, just not cool, whether, like I said, it be in respect to, you know, um, you know, gender identification or race or, you know, anti-fatness, all of these things. Like, how did you develop that voice? I think there are so many of us out there that want to be more vocal and want to take up more space, but either we were never, you know, socialized or taught how to do that because black women are supposed to be quiet. And if you're not Mm -hmm. quiet, you're angry, 
you know, even if you're speaking in the calmest voice possible. So mm-hmm. how did you, let's say, how did you train or flex that muscle? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Um, or were you always comfortable doing that? I don't know. Like I was a shy kid growing up, mm-hmm. but I grew up in a household where there were some serious things going on. Mm-hmm. And I think a takeaway from me from growing up, living some of those, living through some of those experiences, was that um, I never, I never wanted to be uh, taken advantage of, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I never wanted someone to like to over talk or over speak me. Like I had, I like we. I believe that everyone has a voice and opinion that deserves right. to be heard. And right. so I think it was some somewhere along the line in high school. I don't know when, but it was like somewhere in like my junior year and senior year. I just got really tired of not saying what was on my mind. Mm-hmm. I got really tired of like holding my tongue when something I knew in my gut it wasn't right because it was almost burn like burn in my chest. Yeah. Like, oh my god, right. what is happening? I'm not saying anything. Um, so I just started to speak up a little bit more, and then by college. You know, you're near college, you're like the ego is just astronomical. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, I thought I knew everything. Like, of course. And so I had an opinion on everything, as a lot of folks did, particularly at that age. And I just was very, you know, I was vocal about it. Um, and I am appreciative of my friends who put up with me mm-hmm. um, and still were my friend anyway, because I'm right. pretty sure I was obnoxious at a certain point. Um, <laughs> but... I've just gone through a lot in, in life, like from working in work environments where my voice was being silenced and right. I was made to question my own intelligence and worth and be like, no, you tripping, you're a fucking goddess. Are you kidding me? Like, you're brilliant. Like, right. stop this. Stop playing these games. Like, remember who you are. Like, remember mm-hmm. who made you and remember where you're from. And like, no, you got this because there were so many people before you who gave their lives and made sacrifices for you to even be here to have this. So you've got this and you have to have it. So I think it just kind of came from um, just a bunch of different circumstances in life. And then realizing that we all have a voice and it's important for us to use that voice. And then I also recognize that there are plenty of people out there who aren't using their voices. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways I, 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 I try to speak up for those people or those perspectives or bring the, that perspective into the room. Like I'm usually the person that is like, okay, this thing that you did, this initiative is great. Like this service is great, but what about this group of people? Like, did we think right. about them? Do we think about, you know, you know, shirts in this size, but what about these sizes? And like, if they're cut like this and then it won't, you know, work for certain body types. Right. So I'm always that person trying to figure out like who who is not a part of the conversation and at least asking the question to bring them into the room. Like how can mm-hmm. we bring that, those needs, those people into the room? So, and I have That's a big awesome. mouth even though I'm an introvert. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that works. Um, Cool. So this is the fun part of the podcast for me where I get to ask random questions and get all in your business. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> are you ready? Do you I'm want ready. some brown liquor? <laughs> uh, 
I would love time. I don't have any right now. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll okay. take it easy on okay. you. Then. No, you're oh. fine. <laughs> so, um, and I'll, you know what? I'll even, I'll even lob you a softball first. Tell me okay. what's on, tell me what's on your playlist for training and just chilling. Oh, okay. Easy. So on my playlist for, um, training, it's a mix of things, but it's mostly trap music or hip hop. Okay. Um, okay. There's a little Janelle Monet in there, a little mm-hmm. Beyonce homecoming live in there. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly a lot of, I would say, swaggerful trap music. Like, okay. I just I like need it. to get into a certain zone when I'm in the gym. Mm-hmm. On my chill playlist, it's a lot of more mellow. Like, there's this, like, wave of, like, R&B, neo-soul. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just this new like new wave R&B that mm-hmm. I've really been into. So mm-hmm. um, it's a lot of, you know, Kalani and um, Janae Aiko okay. and Division and, and, you know, Daniel Caesar, a lot of those type, like that kind yeah. of sound. So I like it. I like yeah. it. Okay. What color represents your personality and why? Mm. Oh, that's, that's hard. Um, so my favorite color is red. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> and this red, I think red does represent my personality. Mm-hmm. Red is bold. Um, it is vibrant. Red can be very moody and broody and dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sexy and it's powerful. Yeah, I think red is pretty much me. Yeah. Okay. I, I you know what? I think I'm you're like, right. <laughs> I think you're right. I love it. Um, So talk to me. Tell me a book that you've read that's had a great impact on you. Um, Books that I've read. I have not been up on my my reading. Um, It could have been something from a long time ago. Books that I've read that that had a deep impact on me. Hmm. You stumped me there. I will tell you... There's a book that I've read recently that has really um, resonated with me in some very surprising in a good way type mm-hmm. of way. It mm-hmm. is called um, No Ashes in the Fire. Mm. And it's written by a gentleman by the name of Darnell A. Moore, uh-huh. a black gay man who mm-hmm. grew up in Camden, New Jersey. So we grew oh, up okay. in the same, same place. And mm-hmm. it is a memoir of his life. And so it tells the story of being black and black and male and also gay or like finding your sexual identity growing up in one of the most, you know, dangerous and I would say neglected cities in the United States. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And just talks about his own evolution. And there was so much in the book that I enjoyed because in some parts as someone who was from Camden like I saw myself like I knew that neighborhood like I went to that high school or Mm -hmm. you know whatever um but then even the even though we we found our way to our own identities like our Mm -hmm. sexual identities at different stages in life I could identify with some of the awakenings he had and some of those awkward feelings Mm -hmm. and you know the reconciliation that comes with it so it was a really good book um, highly recommended to anyone who is interested in a really good read. Awesome. And we will definitely put that in the show notes. Um, all right. I'm, a, I'm about to start a fight. Go okay. ahead. 
<laughs> You're like, I'm ready. Um, team sumo or conventional deadlift? I don't care. Like, <laughs> and you know what? what? I don't care. Like, it's what, look, whatever allows you to lift weight in a way that is comfortable and you feel uh-huh. strong and powerful. Now, me, myself, and I, because I started in CrossFit and because, you know, Oli was such a huge part of my weightlifting barbell experience. Right. I'm a conventional puller. Okay. I'm a high bar squatter as well because, mm. you know, when when you're doing Olympic weightlifting, there is no low bar. It's chest up all all day, like whole time because that right. translates into your, your front squat will translate into your clean and jerk. And right. your back squat will, in some ways, you know, contribute to your snatch and your overall leg power. So for me, like I, I deadlift conventional. I like the way that sumo looks like it looks like it's easier. It looks like it makes more sense to me in a way, mm-hmm. but like it just feels weird when I do yeah. it all the time. And I've been conventional, a, a conventional puller for so long, right. unless there's like a legitimate medical reason. Like, I don't know, maybe if I still have back issues, maybe yeah. I'll consider switching to sumo, you know, permanently mm-hmm. but I it you know I I don't really care like I'm a conventional puller okay All yeah. right. I, 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 I know people are in their feelings about it <laughs> I'm just like what does it matter like right you know right. what I mean like it don't matter and that's the thing I love about powerlifting it doesn't matter how you at least with the deadlift for the yeah. most part it doesn't matter yeah. which stance you take like as long as you are moving the bar off the floor yeah. and are achieving lockout Rocket. It's all good. Yeah. I like it. Um, okay, so it's your last supper. What are you eating? Oh, oh last meal. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to drink, we're having um no judgment, but I don't even really care. A bottle okay. of Balzani um double wood fourteen, I think it's fourteen or seventeen. Yeah, it's okay. my favorite. Okay. Or maybe it's twelve years, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, scotch, so mm-hmm. that's 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 the beverage, right? Um, dessert would be because I'm working backwards. <laughs> I was like, um, I like that. <laughs> dessert would be oh, that's hard. Okay, so there's this Cinderella cheesecake that I think is only made in like South Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Uh huh. It is one of the best cheesecakes in the world. Really, it just takes me back to my childhood because it's just like. Thick and it's creamy, but it's also Ooh. kind of flaky. Yeah. It's like sweet, but has a little tartness to it. So it would be a plain Cinderella cheesecake, a I whole like thing, because you mm-hmm. said last meal, and That's you right. know we going all out. That's now right. for the entree, ugh, my last meal on earth would have to be my mama's cooking. Okay. So it would have to be baked macaroni and cheese. Ugh. Um, it would be her quiche, and it's not like a cutesy little quiche and like a little. Um, pie dishes that you see right. people eating. No, 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 no. My mom's quiche is something different. Like, it ain't even on. Like, it's on a whole other level. And wow. Yes. Um, it would be her quiche. It would also have to be um, sweet potatoes. So basically, it would be like Thanksgiving. And mm. it would have to be like a good Thanksgiving meal. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Um, what would a day of self-care look like for you? Oh, that's such a good question because I am long overdue for one of those. Uh, 
a day of self-care will look like waking up whenever I feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be going to get breakfast, regardless mm-hmm. of what time of day it is, because I'm a big breakfast fan. Um, it'd be like a good massage someplace. Uh, there's this uh, massage place in Old Town Alexandria that I really like. Um, and it would be sitting by the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just waking it would be just doing whatever I wanted to that day, not really yeah. having anything scheduled, but like allowing myself to flow into whatever it is that I'm doing. So yeah, I think the waking up whenever I want to, a really good breakfast, and some time outside, preferably by the water, just sitting, thinking, reflecting, would be perfect. And then you know, coming home nice dinner yeah and then just like chilling out for the rest of the night watching something done on tv yeah i like it i like it what would be one thing that people would be surprised that you do not do well or don't know how to do Mm -hmm. that people would be surprised yeah I would say swim, but I feel like I'm black, so that's really not a surprise. <laughs> I don't know right. How to do that. Right. Okay. But, but aside from that, I I don't know. I can't whistle. Oh, I'm like no. Okay, here we go. I can't roller skate. That's really? Just, no, it's not. It's not my thing. Did, so, I mean, do you not know how? Like, you didn't do it when you were young, or it's just not your thing? I tried when I mm-hmm. was younger, but because, again, I was the biggest kid, like, usually among my friends, yeah. the assumption was that I was the sturdiest one. <laughs> so, like, when people would be skating and they would feel a little uncertain, they'd reach out to me. And oh, no. <laughs> right. So, like, basically, I shouldn't be on skates, is what you're right. telling me, because... I can't, I can't do this. Like I'm yeah. trying to handle me. I can't handle me <laughs> and you. That's not how this is gonna work. So I just, so skating just never felt comfortable to me. Uh-huh. Like, I always felt nervous on it. And even when rollerblades came out, because you know, that was a new thing that came out. Right. I remembered. I tried, and it just felt really awkward to me. Like even the way you had to position your feet, right. I just couldn't get with it. And then I tried ice skating like two years ago with my partner in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Nah, I didn't like that at all. Not one little bit. Mm-mm. Look, the way my hips are set up at Mm-mm. 47, uh-uh. I ain't get on nobody's Anything ice Anything <laughs> that, like, oh, I could, but I could fall and, like, right. and legit hurt myself. Like, yeah. I got shit to do tomorrow. I'm not, I, I can't. So yeah. I don't know. Them bone breaks hit different when you turn, when you listen, after 30. Listen. You know, and I'm still, like, you know, plus size, but, like, like listen, like, that shit's so hurt. Like, that's a lot of a lot of power that's a yeah. lot of weight going on the ground so no, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to roller skate it's okay all right interesting interesting um all right so this one's a toughie okay you ready I'm ready you might want to do some deep breathing you know whatever okay okay, okay. all okay. right what is the blackest thing you have ever done oh oh the blackest thing I have ever done ever done Mm-hmm. That you you know that you can recall and you can share with the public. <laughs> right, right, right. I feel that. Oh God. Um. I don't know. Um. Because it's like I don't think of. Oh. 
This is hard, Brie. Okay, okay, okay. I can do this. I can do this. And I mean, it could be, you know, I'm being a little tongue in cheek, but it could be totally stereotypical or, you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, if someone were to see that, they would be like, that's hella black. Right. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know because I feel like I do so many. So, okay. I don't like to um, throw away seasoning. <laughs> like I saw something on Instagram the other day. It was like, why don't black people throw away seasoning? I, I know I saw that. And I'm like, wait, you're supposed to throw it you're away? Like, it like, has an expiration date? Right, it don't have no expiration date. This adobo is still good. Yes, I've had it for Girl. 40 years, but it's still rocking. You just gotta hit the, hit the container a little right, more. Right, 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 right. You know? It's just starting to settle in the flavors. Yeah, listen. So I would say, like, I didn't realize that was a black thing. Like, yes. I, that's just how that's just how we do it. Like, I mean, listen, my son is fifteen, and I definitely had some stuff in there from when he was born. And my mother was like, "Girl, I mean, your seasoning just got a little extra seasoning." Right, so, right, right, right. Like, I was like, know? "This is handed down from the ancestors. What are you I talking about? Talking. Like, this is like, what are you talking? This paprika gonna be hitting though when I right. throw it in this, like, you know." sweet potato salad or, or not sweet potato salad potato salad so that is too funny yeah. yes I, I would say that that definitely fits the bill yeah um so now i just i want to do a little bit of word association because i always think these are fun okay. so just i'll say okay. the phrase and you can just kind of answer it okay. um, to whatever comes to mind okay um so storm is amazing Okay, well, shit. Yes, you are. <laughs> you answered that very quickly, and I love it. I love it. Um, love is challenging but rewarding. Okay. Strength is essential to life. Black is beautiful. So, um, before we wrap up, the last thing I want to ask is what would Storm of today say to 13-year-old Storm and 21-year-old Storm? Oh, okay. 13-year-old Storm. I would say to her that the questions that you're asking yourself are okay. Mm -hmm. The feelings that you have are also okay. You are beautiful and you are a lot cooler than you give yourself credit for. Aw, I love that. Yeah. For my 21-year-old self, I would say you should probably listen to other people a little bit more and talk less. <laughs> right? Um, spend some time really thinking about the energy that you put out into the world. And is that in alignment with the kind of person that you want to be? Mm -hmm. my 21 year old self had some she was she was a handful <laughs> <laughs> I think we all were that age yeah. um, I love it I love it so where can the people find you on the interwebs well I'm on Instagram mm -hmm. and my Instagram handle is curves and kilos mm -hmm. um, I am also on Twitter but Twitter oh. is more like my work life so uh -huh. You know, if you don't like the social justice, racial equity stuff that you see me post on occasion on Instagram, mm -hmm. you really just ain't going to like my Twitter. 
But mm-hmm. my Twitter is Storm, S-T-O-R-M-E, mm-hmm. 1913, because, mm-hmm. you know, Delta. Okay. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. I do have a Facebook, but, you know, that's more work. Yeah, gotcha. so gotcha. But yeah, awesome. Oh my gosh, this is again amazing. Um, like I knew it would be. Um, you, you know, dude, I don't even know what to tell you. You're just, you're just dope as hell. Um, and I feel Thank like it's, it's an honor to know you. So, um, Same. you are also yes. And speaking of which, you are no longer a guest on the Chocolate Bar. So if you ever get a whim and you're like, I got some shit on my mind. <laughs> You let me know, and we will do another episode whenever you want to okay. talk about whatever you want. Sounds good. Um, yes. So thank you, thank you, thank you again to my listeners for tuning in. You guys have been amazing. Um, you can find the podcast on all podcast platforms, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc etc um our instagram is the chocolate bar or no chocolate bar podcast um we are the chocolate chalk bar podcast on twitter um we do have a facebook page that feeds from the instagram so you can find that there and our website is www.thechocolatebarpodcast.com and Word on the street is there might be some summer merch coming. So keep your eyes open. Um, As always, thank you again for listening, Storm. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Thank you, you guys. And we will see you at the bar.